Hello there. We are in the middle of a series of messages looking at our church statement of faith. And today we come to the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. The statement of faith about this issue says, We believe the Holy Spirit is a person of the Godhead. He is the one who convicts humanity of sin, points them to Christ, leads them to repentance and creates faith within them. We believe the Holy Spirit regenerates and indwells those who believe in Jesus Christ as their Saviour. It's the Holy Spirit who immerses all believers into the body of Christ and bestows the gifts of the Spirit at salvation as He wills on each and every believer. The Holy Spirit enables the working of the gifts of the Spirit and helps to manifest the fruit of the indwelling Spirit in the believer. Have you ever come across a person that is referred to sometimes as a force of nature? You know, when Auntie Joan or Cousin Bill hits your place, then stuff happens. The backyard gets a makeover, the cleaning and the washing gets done, food magically appears, or friends suddenly all appear around the barbecue. And maybe these persons, these forces of nature have been in your network for years. And you gradually come to appreciate what they make happen more than you enjoy their friendship. One day you realise you only ring Uncle Jasper when you have a problem. You don't ring him because you just want to have a chat and see how he's going. As I prepared for the first of our two messages about the Holy Spirit, I realise it's very easy to treat the Holy Spirit the same way you do these certain forces of nature. To be so focused on the power of the Holy Spirit that you forget that the Holy Spirit is a person. Now it's incredibly important from a worship perspective to decide whether the Holy Spirit is a divine person who as a person is worthy of our adoration, worthy of our faith, worthy of our love, worthy of our entire surrender to himself or is the Holy Spirit just an influence which flows from God or maybe a power or an illumination which God imparts to us? You see, if the Holy Spirit is a person and indeed a divine being and we do not know him for being this, then we're actually robbing a divine being of the worship and the faith and the love and the surrender to himself which is rightfully due. If you decide that the Holy Spirit is merely some mysterious and wonderful power that we, in our weakness and ignorance, somehow we get hold of this, we get to use it, then you are simply a consumer of the power, you are a user of the power. But if you realise that the Holy Spirit is a real person, infinitely holy, infinitely wise, infinitely mighty and infinitely tender then you understand that he wants to get hold of us and use us. You see we don't use the Holy Spirit for our purposes but the Holy Spirit should be using us for his purposes. And if you think that the Holy Spirit is just a power or a divine influence that somehow we get hold of and we get to use 
then that can lead you to exalting yourself or feeling sufficient in yourself. Because people who imagine they've received the Holy Spirit as a power inevitably, inevitably become full of pride and they, they feel like they're a superior Christian, a Holy Spirit person, a Spirit-filled believer. But if you grasp clearly that the Holy Spirit is a divine person of infinite majesty and glory and holiness of power, who marvellously condescends to come into our hearts and make a home there and take possession of our lives and use us for godly purposes, well, we should be humbled to the dust about that. For there could be hardly a more humbling or overwhelming thought that the person of divine majesty and glory dwells in my heart and is ready to use even me. How amazing that this divine person is not only always by our side, but is alive and living in our heart every hour, ready to help in every emergency of life. The Holy Spirit, you see, is not just ideas in the mind, an actual person living in your real life. And so we're going to investigate the person of the Holy Spirit this morning. Next week we'll look more at the work of the Holy Spirit. Will you pray with me? Most gracious Holy Spirit, open our eyes to see and understand more of who you are as a person. Please help us to understand how to worship and adore you appropriately, to listen carefully to you and how to minister boldly in your name. Please fill us as we meditate upon you today. Amen. Holy Spirit as a person. All the distinctive characteristics of personality are ascribed to the Holy Spirit in the Bible. How do you know you're a person? Well, you know stuff, you have knowledge. You have feelings or emotions, you have a will. And an entity, any entity which thinks and feels and wills, that's a person. Now when we say that the Holy Spirit is a person, we're talking about the characteristics of personality, not of corporeity, which means having a physical body in your hands and feet, because we know that the Spirit is a spirit. But we know that our personality is more than just our body, don't we? And all the characteristics or the marks of personality of the Holy Spirit are found Old Testament and New Testament. New Testament, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10. These are the things that God has revealed to us by His Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts, except their own spirit within them? And in the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God, except the Spirit of God. Holy Spirit's not merely an influence that illuminates our minds so we can understand truth, but He's a, a being who Himself knows truth and has knowledge. And the Holy Spirit has amazingly deep knowledge because He even knows the thoughts of God. 1 Corinthians 12, we learn that all these are the work of the one and the same Spirit, 
and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. That's talking about spiritual gifts get distributed to each one just as he determines. And it shows that the Holy Spirit has a will. He makes up his own mind. It's not a power we get hold of and use according to our will, but a person of sovereign majesty who uses us according to his will. And it's vital to understand how to get into a right relationship with the Holy Spirit if you want his mighty power to operate in your lives. And how sad would it be for humans who, in comparison with God, they're just blind, they're ignorant. And how sad would it be to get possession of some mysterious and mighty power to use however they want to use it? How poorly is that going to go? It's like the toddler taking the Range Rover out for a spin. If you want to see the mighty power of the Holy Spirit at work in and through you, you'll have to understand that he is a person. An infinitely wise and mighty person who is willing to take possession of us and use us according to his own perfect will. How amazing is that? How amazing to consider that there is a divine person, one who never makes a mistake, never errs, who is willing to take possession of us and, and give us whatever gift he sees best and to use us according to his wise and loving will. Romans chapter 8 verse 27 we see and he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit. The Spirit has a mind. The mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. That word there, the mind of the Spirit, the Greek word translated mind is a very comprehensive word and it's the thoughts, it's your feelings, it's your purpose. All these things which are the marks of a person, of personality. The Holy Spirit has a mind. Romans 15 verse 30, So I urge you, brothers and sisters, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, the love of the Spirit to join me in my struggle by praying to God for me. It's definitely far more common to talk about the love of the Father or the love of Jesus, isn't it? I wonder how long ago was it that you meditated upon the love of the Spirit? Have you ever knelt before the Spirit and said something like, A wonderful, eternal and infinite Spirit of God, I thank you for wonderfully, for your wonderfully amazing love, which led you to come into this world of sin and darkness and to seek me out and to follow me so patiently until I saw my utter ruin and my need of a Saviour. I thank you for revealing Jesus to me helping me to understand and respond in faith to him. Had you not done this, I would have been in hell today. I worship your love, O Holy Spirit, which was sent by the Father in answer to the prayer of the Son. It says that in John 14, verse 16, And I'll ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. So, how wonderfully... Holy Spirit, you kept looking for me in my utter blindness, my destitution, day after day, week after week, year after year, when I turned a deaf ear to your pleadings. How you kept following me through paths of sin where it must have been agony for a holy, holy person to go. Until at last I listened and you opened my eyes to see my deeply flawed, sinful, helpless state. 
and you showed me that Jesus is the Saviour who saves completely and utterly. If it had not been for this patient, long-suffering, never-tiring, infinitely tender love of the Holy Spirit, I would have been eternally lost. Friends, that is the love of the Spirit. In Ephesians 4.30 And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Grieved. It's perhaps no passage in the entire Bible in which the personality of the Holy Spirit comes out more tenderly and touchingly than here because it's saying that the Holy Spirit can grieve. An impersonal force doesn't grieve. A person grieves. And if this person comes to live within us and clearly sees every act we perform, every word we speak, every thought we entertain, even the quickest fleeting thoughts that flash through our minds, and if any of this is impure and unholy and unkind, selfish, mean, petty or untrue, this infinitely holy one is deeply grieved if we hold on to and nurture those thoughts. What a challenging and inspiring thought to lead a holy life and to walk softly in the presence of the Holy God. And if we allow those words, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, sink into our hearts and become the motto of our lives, they will keep us from many a sin. When temptations flit into our minds, think, oh, the Holy Spirit saw that too. He'll be grieved if I let it stay. Many acts that only a person can perform are ascribed to the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 2 again says these are the things God has revealed to us by his Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of, of God. And the Spirit has to be a person who goes and searches, a person who looks, searches the deep things of God and then reveals to us the precious discoveries he's made. In Revelation we see the Spirit speaking 2 verse 7, whoever has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. And here the Holy Spirit set before us as a person who speaks. And out of the depths of their own wisdom, uh, whispers precious godly truth into believers' lives. Galatians 4, 6, because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit who calls out Abba Father. And we see the spirit, the Holy Spirit crying out into the heart of the believer. Not merely bringing us a divine influence, which assures us that we're sons, but one is actually crying out in our hearts, bringing agreement with our spirit that we are a child of God. The Spirit also prays, Romans 8, 26, in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And, and it's just apparent from there that the Holy Spirit prays, and he prays in and he prays through us. And that's really comforting to know that 
Every true believer has two divine persons praying for him, Jesus and the Holy Spirit. The divine person of the Holy Spirit who walks by our side every day and also lives in the innermost depths of our being knows our needs, even as we do not know them ourselves, and from those depths makes intercession to the Father for us. And what a wonderful sense of security to know that two divine persons are praying for us, Jesus and the Holy Spirit. John 15 verse 26, when the Advocate comes, when the Advocate, that's the Holy Spirit, when the Advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of Truth, who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And we clearly see that the Holy Spirit is a person who gives a testimony to Jesus Christ. It's not an illumination enabling believers to testify to Christ, but he's a person who himself testifies. And we see from our next verse that we as believers are to follow that example and testify and turn to the world. John 15, 27 says, And you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. The Holy Spirit is also called a teacher. John chapter 14, But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things. That makes him a teacher. He'll teach you all things and he'll remind you of everything I've said to you. John 16 verse 12 to 14 carries on with the teacher aspect and the guide aspect and said, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear, but when he, the Spirit of Truth, says the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Truth, when he comes he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own, he will speak only what he hears, and he'll tell you what is yet to come. He'll glorify me because it's from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. And so you can see there that the Holy Spirit's not just a power that enables us to understand truth, but a person who comes along day by day to teach us the truth of God. And what a privilege to have such a divine teacher always available. Holy Spirit leads. Romans 8.14 For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Holy Spirit is a leader and a guide of the children of God. He's a person who takes us by the hand and gently leads us on in the way he wants us to go. The Holy Spirit's the leader. And the Holy Spirit has authority. In Acts chapter 16 Verse 6, Paul and his companions are travelling through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. So the Holy Spirit's guiding there. And when they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to do it. And here the Holy Spirit is seen to be a person in authority to command men as they are serving Jesus on their missionary journeys and forbids Paul to go to Bithynia, and Paul and his companions recognise that authority, and they submit to his leadership, for he is a leader. In Acts 13 verse 2, while they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, there's the leader, the Holy Spirit said, set apart from me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them.
and verse Acts chapter 20 verse 28 he gives other instructions to keep watch over yourself and all the flock which the Holy Spirit has made you overseer hold on, there's authority the Holy Spirit has made you overseers be shepherds of the church of God which he brought with his own blood and you can see there that the Holy Spirit is represented as the one with the supreme authority in the church it calls men to work and appoints them in leadership positions. And so it's evident that many acts that only a person can perform are ascribed to the Holy Spirit. So he is a person. An office is also attributed to the Holy Spirit that can only be attributed to a person. John chapter 14, and I'll ask the Father and he'll give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of Truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. There's the word advocate. That's an office. Jesus had told his disciples, you see, at this point that he's going to be leaving them. An awful desolation came over them as they saw their loneliness, their absolute helplessness with Jesus gone. And so Jesus gives them this comforting information. He will be giving them another comforter to take his place. I don't think it would be comforting if he only left an impersonal influence or power. But then again, it hardly seems possible that Jesus says it's a good idea for him to leave. Well, that's what he says, John 16, 7, but very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Pardon? Yeah, it's for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, then I'll send him to you. One divine person was going, another divine person was coming to take his place, which in fact was going to be better. Because this person would be there 24-7, 24-7, a comforter, a live-in comforter. And we see this is the promise of the Father, the promise of promises which started the early church. Acts chapter 1 verse 4, on one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this, this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you've heard me speak about. And that gift, of course, was Pentecost. The Holy Spirit came like a mighty wing, wind, like a mighty wind, tongues like fire, and evangelists proclaiming the glory of the Lord in many languages. And so it was a good idea for Jesus to leave and for the Comforter to come. Something happens to the Holy Spirit which could only happen to a person. In Isaiah 63 verse 10, Yet they rebelled and grieved his Holy Spirit. Now, the Israelis are going bad again. So he turned and became their enemy. Ooh. And he himself fought against them. Uh, just to say there that uh, the Holy Spirit is rebelled against and grieved. And you, you have to be a person to be rebelled against. And you have to be a person with authority. You can't grieve a mere influence or power. And we see this also in the New Testament in Acts 5, verse 3. Peter says, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit 
and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land. The Holy Spirit is a person because you got lied to. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 31 and 32, And so I tell you, every kind of sin and slander can be forgiven, but blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or in the age to come. You have to be a person to be blasphemed against. If the Holy Spirit's not a person, it couldn't be more serious and decisive sin to blaspheme him than to blaspheme our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ himself. And so there's some, some lines of logic, some lines of proof that the Holy Spirit is a person. And I, I guess most of us get that idea. But do we live our daily life as, and treat him as a real person? Do we consider that the Holy Spirit also is worth of our, worthy of our confidence, is worthy of our love and our surrender, just as Jesus is? See, the Holy Spirit came to fulfill in our lives, came to fulfill in our lives the same place which Jesus fulfilled with the first apostles. Is he that to you? The same quality of close and personal companion that Jesus was to his disciples. 2 Corinthians 13 verse 14 May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. So the question is, do you know this fellowship of the Holy Spirit, this partnership, this intimate personal friendship? For here is the whole secret of a real Christian life, a life of freedom and joy and power and fullness. And that's to have as an ever-present friend, to be conscious or aware of that friend and to surrender all the departments of your life entirely to his control. That is wonderful Christian living. about the deity of the Holy Spirit? Let's consider the divine or the godly identity of the Holy Spirit. And if you're talking about godliness, godly attributes, uh, there are four, the four distinct attributes of God. Omnipotence, sorry, eternity, omnipresence, omniscience and omnipotence are all ascribed to the Holy Spirit. Let's look at the eternal aspect first. Hebrews 9.14 How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God? And we see in there the eternal spirit. The omnipresent one, well, Psalm 139 verse 7 to 10 says, well, Where can I go from your spirit? In other words, is there anywhere I can go where you can't? Where you are not. Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. If I rise on the rings of the dawn and I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. That's omnipresence. He's everywhere. Omniscience. He knows everything. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 10 and 11. These are the things God has revealed to us by his Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. 
For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them and, and in the same way no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Omniscient. John 16 backs that up. I've much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth, because he knows everything. He will not speak on his own, he will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. And he will glorify me, because it's from me that he will receive what he will make known. That's omniscience, knowing everything. Omnipotence, just one example here. Luke chapter 1 verse 35, the angel replied, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. That's only, that is something that only God could actually do. Omnipotence. And then there's two, <clears throat> there are three distinctly divine works that are ascribed to the Holy Spirit. A work of creation, the work of the impartation of life and the work of prophecy. You know, the first thing we think about God, what does he do first? He creates the heavens and the earth. Well, in Genesis chapter 1 verse 3, in that creation, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was formless and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. And who's there? The Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. So the Spirit was there at the original creation, and then he made me. Job chapter 33 verse 4, the Spirit of God has made me. The Spirit of God has made me the breath of the Almighty. You know, the breath is much the same as the Spirit of God. The breath of the Almighty gives me life. So he made me, and then just the impartation of life in general. John chapter 6 verse 63, the Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I've spoken to you, they are full of spirit and life. And Romans 8 verse 11, and, and if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead, how's that for a powerful spirit raised him from the dead, if that spirit is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Genesis 2 verse 7, Then the Lord formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. So we're talking about capacity of the Holy Spirit to impart life. And in this passage the Greek word spirit there means breath, and in the light of the New Testament we see this is clearly referring to the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit, it breathed into man and he came alive. The Holy Spirit is also the author of prophecy. 2 Peter 1 verse 21, For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were, carried along by the Holy Spirit. And 2 Samuel 23 verse 2, The Spirit of the Lord spoke through me. Who spoke? The Spirit of the Lord. His word was on my tongue. 
Well, our statement of faith started off with we believe the Holy Spirit is a person of the Godhead. And this morning we've considered, we've expanded that consideration of the Holy Spirit as a person. And if we summarise it, we'd be saying this. We believe that the Holy Spirit is co-equal with God the Father and God the Son and is of the same essence and yet is also distinct from them. Scripture describes the Holy Spirit in personal terms, not as an impersonal force. And when it says that he teaches and he guides and he comforts and he intercedes, he possesses emotions, intellect and will, Holy Spirit lied. Oh, sorry, the Holy Spirit spoke to Philip and gave counsel to the church at Jerusalem. The Holy Spirit was sinned against, he was rebelled against, he was lied to. And the scriptures also attest to the deity of the Holy Spirit, the God godliness of him. The Spirit, so and the Christian who is indwelt by the Spirit is thus indwelt by God. The Holy Spirit possesses the attributes of deity such as omniscience, omnipresence, omnipotence and eternalness, eternality. He does works that only God can do such as creating and regenerating and sanctifying. And he is equally associated with the other members of the Trinity. That is the person who is the Holy Spirit. Let us pray. We worshipfully and reverently acknowledge the person of the Holy Spirit today. We are so thankful for what we have received from you and submit our willfulness to you. Please lead us and guide us and empower us according to your good pleasure. Amen. And God bless you.